0: the wind. i
1: remind you of the Oktoberfest Street Fair that's coming up Saturday the 22nd from 1 to 7 p.m. There'll be all sorts of stuff going on here. There'll be bouncy houses, there's cakewalks, there'll be uh, soup beans, there'll be hot dogs, cornbread, hopefully not the hot dogs on the cornbread but you know the soup beans go with the cornbread. And there'll be all sorts of stuff for the children. There'll be songs. Uh, there'll be some musical groups, there'll be some people speaking. So that's October 22nd from 1 to seven. and if you're listening on the radio and you have not come to visit us or checked us out, this would be a good time to come and see what we're all about just east, east of WVU Parkersburg on Route 47. It's been said that there is nothing which we ignore so much as the familiar. We simply ignore the things around us which we see or encounter every day. Some call this characteristic of people taking things for granted. And so let's take a look at someone who took things for granted in our gospel reading today in Luke 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be
0: to
1: God. Taking things for granted. For example, back in 1990, Sandra and I moved to New Jersey. A few weeks later, we got on a train, and a couple hours later, we found ourselves in that great train station that's under Madison Square Garden. We walked out into the October wind. It was cold that day, and we looked up, and up and up because a half block away there was the Empire State Building. There was Macy's, an eight-story department store. We walked up the street to St. Patrick's Cathedral, one of the most beautiful churches in America. A few weeks later we returned to the city very early in the morning. The sun was just rising and we stood five people deep because we had not got there early enough to be in the front row. We watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Afterwards, we walked back near Madison Square Garden and saw something, so we walked up a story to eat lunch at Sushi To Go. And during later trips, we went to art museums. One night, we bought lace from a small store that sold only lace in hundreds of different patterns. We ate at a Mongolian barbecue restaurant. We walked on Mulberry Street downtown, saw 100-pound tubes of mozzarella cheese hanging there. We had some souvlaki and some gyros. We walked into a restaurant that was proud of the bullet holes that were still in its wall from the days when the mobs hit them back in the 40s. Everything was new and different for us. But when we told our friends from New Jersey, they were... yeah, 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 we've been there, that's it, yeah. Of course, we have the same problem here. We take things for granted here. A home and land that costs us $200,000 here would cost a million dollars or more if we moved it to New Jersey. But it's not just the dollars and cents difference. Have you driven along Route 7 between Newport and Marietta watching the Ohio River just as sunset approaches? It's gorgeous. Have you recognized the beauty of driving from here to Clarksburg on Route 50 during the spring redbud season? Or during the high summer when the hills have 50 different shades of green? Or during the fall like right now when the reds and the oranges and the yellows and the greens mix together to make this area one of the most beautiful places on earth? Or have you ever looked out after a snowfall leaves all the tree limbs outlined in white against a gray and brown background? Do you recognize the beauty and the blessings of living here or do you take it for granted? No, we we take all this beauty for granted. Just as the people from New York and New Jersey take their art museums and their diverse restaurant scene and their shopping and their man-made wonders for granted, In fact, we and they prefer to complain about things, don't we? We complain about the roads and the low pay. They complain about the high taxes and the high cost of living. We complain about the occasional homeless person we encounter on 7th Street, and they complain about the cab drivers that don't speak English. And we all, we just take things for granted. When was the last time you took a photo of a beautiful spot in this county. When was the last time you gave thanks that your annual property tax bill was about a thousand dollars a year instead of the thousand dollars a month that it is in New Jersey? When was the last time you gave thanks that it takes less than 30 minutes to travel from here to the mall instead of the hours that it takes to go to a shopping mall in the Northeast? Taking things for granted is actually a symptom of a deeper spiritual problem. That spiritual problem is our insistence that anything valuable must be hard to find, expensive to buy, require a long trip, require tremendous effort to gain or make us solve a complicated problem before we can, we can have it. Our spiritual problem is that we can't accept that God has given us the greatest gifts simply as gifts for free, without cost, without any effort. And we just need to look around and do the simple things that His Son asks. Taking things for granted isn't a new phenomenon for the complicated things in life isn't a new phenomenon. In our Old Testament story from 2 Kings 5, Naaman, the Syrian general, was a great and powerful man. He was an excellent general, well respected, but he had leprosy, the incurable skin disease. In the course of his military expeditions, some of his men captured a young girl from Israel And he gave her to his wife as a slave. This girl recognized his distress at having leprosy and told Naaman's wife that there was a prophet in Samaria, the central part of Israel, who could heal Naaman of this disease. So he went to the king of Israel, bringing a letter from his boss, the king of Aram, who asked the king of Israel to cure Naaman's leprosy. Now this upset the king of Israel, who believed that it was an excuse by Naaman's king to start a war. After all, how could the king of Israel possibly heal Naaman? Well, the prophet Elisha heard about the situation. Elisha, you know, remember, was the man who had taken over when Elijah went to heaven. He told the king to send Naaman to him. And when Naaman arrived... Elisha sent him out a messenger who told him to wash seven times in the Jordan River. Now this upset Naaman partly because Elisha had not come himself, but partly because it just wasn't complicated enough. It didn't involve a great quest. It didn't require a long distance to travel. It didn't cost much money or for Naaman to defeat a dragon. And Naaman's servants, though, they understood their master. So they talked to him. They pointed out all of this about the complications and such to Naaman that he was upset because the answer was so simple. Wash seven times in the Jordan River. And to his credit, Naaman listened, went to the Jordan, washed seven times, and his skin cleared up. So many times when God is involved, we reject the blessings of God because God hasn't made things difficult enough. So we try to make things more difficult so they'll be more valuable to us and so we'll feel more valuable. Instead of buying the very same outfits by ordering online, which will be delivered in two days, we drive to New York or Atlanta to shop. Instead of driving five miles out of town to see great beauty, we spend thousands of dollars to travel to the Rocky Mountains. Instead of waiting until January to watch beautiful snow fall on our trees, we save and work and save again to visit the Swiss Alps. Instead of sitting on our back porch peacefully watching the birds and the sunset, we buy expensive campers and hotel rooms. And we travel for miles and miles only to trip and fall in the middle of the night, coming home bruised and aching. Yes, I've had some experience with that recently. And like Naaman, instead of doing the simple things that God asks of us, we try to make the godly life complicated, something that only the most devoted, the smartest, the wealthiest, the most worthy people can do but Jesus just asks us to follow Him, learning from His teachings and examples. Would you become a righteous person? Then sincerely believe that Jesus loves you and has the power to give you eternal life, and then read His teachings in the New Testament and follow His examples. Don't make it complicated. God did not want to limit salvation to only a handful of people. But it seems that only a handful of people can truly accept that the pathway to God is simple and open to everyone. Our pride makes us desire complexity. It makes us feel smarter. It makes us feel more worthy if we make things complicated. Well, Jesus had his own encounter with leprosy. After explaining to the disciples in last week's reading that our faith is powerful but increases when we just do what He asks, Jesus was traveling along the border between Samaria, which is central Israel, and Galilee, which is the northern area around the Lake of Galilee. As He began to go into a village, ten men with leprosy called to Him from a distance, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now in the Old Testament laws, given by God to Moses, there were almost two chapters in the book of Leviticus devoted to diagnosing leprosy and what a person must do if he had it. Leviticus, the book of Leviticus recognized that leprosy was contagious and people with leprosy were kicked out of Israelite society until their skin cleared up. But of course, many types of leprosy never cleared up. But Jesus told these men to go and show themselves to the priests, which was the formula given for someone who was cleared of leprosy in Leviticus. For Jesus supernaturally cleansed them as they went. We also are healed of many things when we encounter Jesus. Depending upon who we are, Jesus may heal us of physical sickness or addiction, or mental issues, or emotional issues. Sometimes we're even healed of our tendency to take God's gift of beauty and peace for granted. After all, have any of us ever lived in a family where drama was always happening? (laughs) I see some of you have. Drama develops when people won't accept the blessings that God has given them, and they grow bored with their life that's already been blessed. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal once wrote, All of humanity's problems stem from a man's ability to sit quietly in a room alone. You know, a few years ago a scientific study backed this up. Many people went so far as to give themselves mild electric shocks rather than just sit quietly in a room. Unfortunately, the study didn't address whether people who prayed were better able to avoid this self-harm. The men with leprosy were all healed by Jesus, but only one returned to thank Jesus. Jesus asked about the other nine and then remarked that the only one to give thanks to God for this healing was a Samaritan, a foreigner. The others either took the healing for granted or were simply ungrateful, and they were all solid members of Jewish society, and now that's the way it is with Christians today. We take God and God's blessings for granted. There are people who come to Christ at a very early age. My daughter's one. She has always believed and was baptized at age nine since that was the first time we attended a church like ours which allowed youngsters to be baptized. Our son Andy, who's now a pastor, was baptized at age seven. But there are also people who come to Jesus at an older age. I've known many people who did not believe and were not baptized until they were adults. There are advantages and disadvantages to each. Someone baptized at an early age, even a couple of weeks old, raised in the church is raised with a deep security a deep understanding of where they are going eternally, and that can grow into a deep lifelong faith for most people. Those who are baptized later, though, they often have a deeper appreciation of just how bad life can be when we're not close to Jesus. Yet while those baptized as adults understand how bad life can be without Jesus, we have to live for years in that fearful anxiety about what happens when we die. That's the flip side, you see, of not coming to Jesus until later. That tremendous underlying anxiety that we live with. But the flip side of growing up in the faith, the Christian who came to Jesus while very young may begin to take Jesus for granted. That life is just this good. And forget the terrible pain that bought us the peace that comes with Jesus. Like the New Yorkers, Who think nothing of eating at an indian restaurant on tuesday a persian restaurant on wednesday maybe some japanese restaurant on thursday and visit a couple art museums on the weekend or like the local person here who just ignores the beauty of the west virginia fall collars the lifelong christian can miss the beauty and the wonder of the sacrifice that jesus made for each of us like the nine jewish men who had been healed of leprosy by Jesus, we Christians can take God's healing for granted. It is the outsiders, the people who come later to Jesus who most recognize the great gift of God that Jesus is. But that doesn't mean that someone who was baptized 10 days after birth cannot recognize the beauty of God and Christ and Holy Spirit. It simply requires that we open our eyes and begin to look around, trying to catch God in the act of being wonderful. Just like it's possible for someone born and raised in Parkersburg to see the glory of the fall mountains, or a New Yorker to recognize how blessed they are by their surroundings, it's possible for any Christian to open our eyes and see God's glory once again. Do you want to get closer to God? Do you want to feel the presence of God near you in this life? Our eyes have to be open to God, to seeing and feeling the presence of God. And the best, the easiest way to do this, the simple method, to open our eyes to God, is to praise God to everyone we meet. Because you can praise God for the mountains, Praise God for the trees. Praise God for art museums and for artists. Praise God for beautiful bridges. Praise God for the rivers and for the deserts. Praise God for the kindness of strangers. Praise God for our children and grandchildren and for our parents and grandparents. Praise God for sunny days, for rainy days, for snow and for wind. Praise God that the Mountaineers have won at least a couple of games this year. Praise God for songs, praise God for scripture, praise God for a comfortable home, a church where people love us and our children. Praise God for peace in our community. You can even praise God for your skills. The fact that you can read, you can see, you can hear, you can speak, you can crochet, you can knit, you can sing, you can repair small engines. Praise God that you can Google answers these days. Praise God that you had a bed to sleep in last night and food this morning. And if you didn't, praise God that some of God's peoples are looking for you to help you. If we praise God to everyone we meet, two things will happen. First, our eyes will be open to the actions of God in our life. And that will remind us that we are so, so loved by God. God will become more real to us. As we praise God more, we will see God more. And secondly, we'll probably have the chance to tell some of these people whom we praise God to about God, God's Son Jesus, and we may begin to see the light of hope flicker in their eyes. And that, my friend, will give us eternal purpose. A chance to make a difference that no hurricane or flood can wash away. For God is worthy of praise. And we, like Naaman the Syrian general, like the one Samaritan man who was cleansed of leprosy, and like all the great Christians of old, can do the most simple thing of all that is asked of Christians. It isn't complicated, yet it's basic to our faith, to following Jesus if we were asked to do something complicated, understand, undertake some great quest, to do some difficult task for God, we probably would do it. But the simple is most often what works with God. So let's do the simple. Say, Praise God. Praise God. Say it again. Praise, Praise God. God. Say it a third time. Praise, Praise God. God. Now say it to everyone you meet this week that your eyes may be opened to the glories and splendors of God in Christ, and maybe theirs will be too.
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. Or you can text the word give to 1304 244 1903 or visit our website United and click on the give tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.